0: You've read or heard or preached the scripture this week, so now what? Well, you can join me, Pastor Alan, and my colleague, Pastor Carissa, as we explore the spaces between the Sundays in our podcast, Soft Idolatry.
1: Welcome to episode 12 of Soft Idolatry. We are in 2 Timothy right now for just a couple more weeks before we Uh, get to All Saints Sunday, and we'll talk about All Saints and Reformation a little bit more at the end of the month. And then we'll be in those last few weeks before Advent. I can't believe it's already time to start thinking about Advent. Can you?
0: I know, right? Yeah, actually, I can because I've been thinking about it because I am going to have another retreat with my worship and Christian ed committees to help me in the planning, including uh, having them read all of the Advent texts and see what what and how those texts are speaking to them, and maybe have them pick a couple hymns and just kind of link them into the process.
1: Excellent, excellent. We did something similar to that last year in my congregation's But we happened to do it on a Saturday morning, and that was the day of the Tree of Life Synagogue shooting in Pittsburgh. Oh, no. Yeah. So our whole day got kind of derailed and uh, (sighs) sort of left a a bad taste in our mouths that our city was in such turmoil on that same day. So I'm letting that one slide this year, and (laughs) we're going to revisit it maybe for Lent um, to make it something new and fresh. But Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that idea of corporate worship preparation.
0: Yeah. Uh, I I think it's really essential that more people than just you or I are thinking about the whole of the service.
1: Right. We're not the only ones that are worshiping during the service. I hope. No. (laughs) I hope.
0: Uh, (laughs) Right. Well, and, and, and we're not the only ones with responsibility for making it a great experience for everyone. And this, at least in my hope in planning these retreats, has been to get people to talk across the committee lines and to look at how everything functions together from the beginning of the Sunday school lesson to the closing hymn and benediction at the end of worship.
1: How very holistic of you. I applaud your Indeed. shalom. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: are you reading anything new and interesting this week?
0: Uh, I am debating starting uh, reading Rob Bell's uh, The Bible or whatever the title is on that.
1: What is the Bible?
0: <laughs> there you yeah, go. I, what is the Bible? I do
1: recommend it. Uh, for those who've been through seminary, it doesn't offer anything new or groundbreaking, it's all stuff that was covered in our biblical survey classes. But it is put in such a beautifully accessible way, and uh, I've recommended it to quite a few members of my congregations as well.
0: I did read the preview about Moses being fresh and moist.
1: Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Till just now. Um, <laughs> I actually, I haven't started it just yet, but I just picked up Max Locato's Anxious for Nothing. My Sunday school class uh, decided they were going to use that as a book study this fall. And so mm. I wanted, I'm not in on the teaching of that class, which is great. It's a self-driving Sunday school class. I can really appreciate that. Okay. Uh, but I do like to, to know what they're reading and be mm-hmm. able to answer questions. So I'm going to start that one very soon here
0: very good well our first text or our primary text this sunday is second timothy chapter 2 verses 8 through 15 and i believe that i am going to use the passage from luke uh, chapter 17 verses 11 through 19 is my secondary text. What about you, Carissa?
1: Uh, I'm actually preaching twice on Sunday. I'm sorry if you hear little feet in the background, everyone. My cats have decided that now is the time to be insane, Um, but we're just going to press on with the recording. Uh, I'm actually preaching twice. Well, not twice this Sunday. I'm preaching three times this Sunday. Um, I normally preach twice, but I preach the same sermon in two different services this Sunday I'll be preaching one sermon in two services and a second sermon in a third service because another friend of ours is being installed this Sunday so I'm using all of the passages from the lectionary this Sunday in the morning I'm going to be using the second Timothy passage as well as Jeremiah 29 1 and 4 through 7 and I'm going to be titling the sermon grow where you are planted and uh, in the afternoon, I will be using the Luke passage as well as um, an alternate Old Testament reading, which is Second Kings 5, 1 through 15. And um, I submitted a sermon title for that. And now I don't remember. Oh, it's the healing journey. I do remember what it's called.
0: Ah, okay. Well, in either case. My sermon title is better than either of yours.
1: Wow. You're you're sounding very confident. This better be a good one. Bring it on.
0: Verb. That's the action. Crickets? Don't you remember Schoolhouse Rock? I do
1: remember Schoolhouse Rock. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Um,
1: yeah, good job, buddy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, oh come on that, that's an oh, awesome listen, generation i got X no love reference. on the
1: palindrome jokes last week so you can, <laughs> <laughs> you can you can survive this one okay all right um let's start reading some scripture then
0: let's now do that, we that. Know what,
1: what scriptures we're looking at um i'll mm-hmm. go ahead and read these jeremiah texts and then you can uh read luke
0: jump into the luke yeah Mm -hmm. so uh,
1: this is jeremiah 29 verses 1 and then verses 4 through 7. these are the words of the letter that jeremiah the prophet sent from jerusalem to the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests the prophets and all the people whom nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from jerusalem to babylon thus says the lord of hosts the god of israel
0: Excellent, excellent. And our reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, is as follows. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise and go on your way, your faith has made you well. And I would add here that when we discussed this in my uh, clergy association study group, one of our Catholic members offered a slightly different translation of that last verse. It ended with something along the lines of "Your faith has saved you,"
1: and we'll maybe cover the significance of that in a little bit. But just uh, just sit with that—that that there's a, a slightly different translation—and that's a good example of why it's important to read several English translations when you're really trying to get to the meat of a passage. We understand that not everyone has the time or desire to be a Hebrew or Greek scholar. But if you read a wide variety of the English translations, that can give you a feel of how how broadly some of these words can be translated.
0: And just how challenging the task of translation is and how we should not be so absolutely certain about the words that we read in English on the page.
1: Right, exactly. Um, so if you're married to the King James Version, folks, I'm sorry, I'm going to Ask you strongly, <laughs> go read something else. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this next passage before I go on a rant about the King James version of the Bible. This is Second uh, Kings five one through fifteen. There are actually in the uh, the lectionary um, there are selections of verses. In chapter five, but I'm going to go right through because we lose a little bit of the continuity of the story when we when we take out those couple of verses. And it's only like two verses. So it's not like it uh, lengthens the passage a whole lot. Naaman, commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and in high favor because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. Now, the Syrians on one of their raids had carried off a little girl from the land of Israel, and she worked in the service of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, would that my Lord were with the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. So Naaman went in and told his Lord. Thus and so spoke the girl from the land of Israel. And the king of Syria said, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which read, When this letter reaches you, know that I have sent to you Naaman, my servant, that you may cure him of his leprosy. And when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive that this man sends word to me to cure a man of his leprosy? Only consider and see how he is seeking a quarrel with me. But when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Let him come now to me, that he may know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored, and you shall be clean. But Naaman was angry and went away, saying, Behold, I thought that he would surely come out to me and stand and call upon the name of the Lord his God, and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. Are not Abana and Farpar the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in a rage. But his servants came near to him and said, My father, it is a great word the prophet has spoken to you. Will you not do it? Has he actually said to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped himself seven times in the Jordan, according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Then he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and he came and stood before him. And he said, Behold, I now know that there is no God in all the earth but in Israel, so accept now a present from your servant.
0: Our primary text this week is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth.
1: The word of God for the people of God.
0: Thanks be to God. Amen.
1: So last week we were talking about suffering, and this week we move a little bit from that into perseverance, into this idea of being present where you are, regardless of how ideal the situation is, and to remain faithful when the rubber meets the road. This, uh, this passage from Jeremiah, I, I picked it to go with this text from Timothy um, in large part because it's a passage that has held a lot of meaning to me. Throughout the years, um, a number of years, uh, close to 20 years ago, now I found myself uh, having just gotten out of a terrible, uh, dangerous marriage. I was a single mom of a toddler trying to find my, my feet again um, to get myself you know, back into, <laughs> into life in a meaningful way, and um, I felt like I was being left behind by everyone. Because I had uh, gotten married very young, dropped out of college. So all of my friends were graduating college and moving on. My sister graduated college and and moved away. So I felt like everybody was kind of moving past me. And here I was, trapped.
0: In this post- rapture world,
1: in this post rapture world, I was left behind. Um, and so I, I felt kind of kind of alone and kind of down on myself because it was sort of my own doing that I was stuck where I was stuck in a lot of ways, right? Um, not to like victim blame or take take that you know more responsibility on myself, but um, just feeling uh, exiled oddly exiled in the place where I was from which which Hmm. can actually happen right exile is not always necessarily being stuck somewhere else
0: foreign right correct right well often often I am fond of saying no sympathy for self-inflicted wounds but I think that uh we have to be honest and say that at least some of the wounds were literally inflicted by someone else and uh, th- there were the the primary wounds from a dangerous and abusive relationship, and then there were the secondary and tertiary wounds by friends and churches that did not offer sufficient support. And uh, you know, blaming someone who went through what you went through is not fair, um, not fair to yourself and you know, it, it's, um, it happened, uh, boy, uh, <laughs> editor, you're, you're, <laughs> out you're, this pattern. You're trying
1: really hard not to, uh, not to old white uh, guy yourself right stupid. now. Say something
0: stupid, right, no. What, what, what I, I'm trying to say something merciful. Yeah. Um, which, which.
1: Maybe, maybe I can help a little bit. Can I, can okay. I jump in and try to help you here a little bit? hmm Um. So the way that I I put it when I am counseling or, or teaching others when it comes to this sort of thing is there are always things you can do to make yourself safer, mm-hmm. but it's never your fault when you are a victim of somebody else's bad behavior.
0: Right. And, and which, which I would wholeheartedly say myself, um, That was not actually where I was going. Oh,
1: well, I figured I'd give it a stab. (laughs) Where
0: where I was going in the, the Mercy was that it's not like anybody ought to have a plan for what they do after escaping a situation of violence. And so perhaps you did spin your wheels for a little while, but lots of people spin their wheels in their 20s. And at least in your 20s, You still have some time if you are not engaging in a lot of self-destructive behaviors on your own. You have time to spin your wheels and figure shit out.
1: Amen. Amen. So many people are traumatized by turning 30, and I welcomed my 30s with open (laughs) arms because my 20s were such a train wreck. Um, I I, totally understand that. My 30s were great. I was kind of sad to see them go. Um, Yeah, and...
0: I kind of understand that, yeah. too. <laughs> and,
1: I, and I think that that, you know, brings us the interesting point of like not blaming people for the suffering or the exile that they find themselves in, um, even if they did make some mistakes along the road that maybe um, helped get them to that point of suffering or exile. That's not the point here. The point here is what you do when you're in the exile and how you treat those who are exiled.
0: Right, and that's actually a really good point of intersection for several of our texts. Uh, One of the ways in the ancient world that people looked at illness was that the illness is God's punishment for some sin in your past, or even not in your past, but in the past in your family. Uh, Some member of a previous generation of your family sinned, and now you have leprosy. And, oh, look, we've got two different stories with leprosy and another with exiles.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it is interesting to think about where these, these passages collide, right? Um, and actually, one of these Old Testament texts is from um, the semi-continuous option in the Revised Common Lectionary. The other is from the thematic. Uh, but they all seem to, to still fit together in this particular instance
0: agreed and uh, for me my I think I'm gonna focus more on the Luke than on the Timothy I think that there is so much there to to go with the verbs although I do definitely have to talk about the Timothy because uh, because of the verse um, if we have died with him we also live with him Now, to me, that text screams baptism. And as coincidence would have it, I have yet another baptism on Sunday. (laughs) I can see your eye roll across the Pennsylvania turnpike.
1: (laughs) I'm rolling my eyes, folks, not because I don't love baptism, but because (laughs) in small revitalizing congregations like mine, baptisms are not a prevalent rite. And um, there have been quite a few at at Alan's congregation recently. So the eye roll is nothing against baptism or against Alan, but just a... uh, That is one place in which I am in exile right now.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. It is is the eye roll at my repeated joy for baptism. I do not have a large congregation... I do not serve a large congregation either. So for me, this is really joyous because it's a reminder to my congregation that we are still alive and well. And the, the joy can be a little bit uh, cumbersome for those who have to serve in congregations that don't really have that sense of being alive and well themselves. And I have served in those places too.
1: Yeah. So lest everyone think that I'm like just the world's worst friend. <laughs> Or I have something against baptism. That's just something I'm working through right now. <laughs> I get to do lots of funerals. So, you know.
0: Yeah, as do I. <laughs> uh,
1: so moving along. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great passage for baptism because it's a reminder that this is not always an easy journey. That there are going to be bumps along the path and it's not always going to bring us to where we want to be. It's it's
0: Right. And so we have to endure. We have to persevere. Uh, and oh, look, all of those things are verbs. And the reason I am so obsessed with verbs this week. Um, you
1: usually are, actually. That's not an uncommon thing. I suppose.
0: Thing. <laughs> well, so, so here's here's the bigger picture. Of
1: yeah, it. let's hear about the I verbs in this
0: one. Yes, I was at a conference a couple years ago, and one of the speakers, I wanna say it was Anna Carter Florence, but I could be wrong, had a presentation on preaching in troubled times. And in that case, she meant our troubled political moment when we argue about everything. And her suggestion was to begin with the verbs when when we are teaching anything from the pulpit. And the idea behind that, which I think is brilliant, is you can't really debate the meaning of a verb Hmm. we can talk about the meaning of a samaritan until we're blue in the face we can yell at each other about whether or not the samaritan is or isn't a foreigner what a foreigner means which foreigners we have to welcome and which we don't and all of that stuff but a verb like call or heal, or he threw himself on the ground and offered praise to God. There is no debate about the semantic value of those things. We know what calling out is. We uh, speaking is. You know th- those are very discrete verbs, and if we start there, we trace the outlines of the story, and it sort of narrows the grounds for argument. And also, I think, we have, we talked about this last week, but we have this notion of faith and belief as cognitive functions, as things that happen inside of our heads. And by focusing on the verbs, it restores the power of action to our consciousness and reminds us that faith is action. Faith is what we do in response to the faithfulness that God shows to us.
1: Yeah. And if you look at the Luke passage, this is um, one of the things that I got my, my title from for my second sermon this week, that healing is in the journey. Jesus does not heal the lepers immediately. He says, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. They were healed on the journey that they undertook Mm -hmm. because they had faith in what Jesus was going to do.
0: Yeah, and this this was also something that we focused in on in my lectionary study with my clergy association friends. Um, And so my Catholic friend offered the translation in her bible which was something to the effect of your faith has saved you now to my reformed protestant ears that sounds a lot like works righteousness the idea that we can work our way into salvation and it also sets my teeth on edge anytime i hear somebody say i am saved as if it were a once and done kind of thing yeah Yeah, that just gets on all of our nerves. But in her Catholic understanding of that phrase, it was not um, a once-and-forever salvation. It was a current return to relationship that the leper, in offering praise, which is the correct response to any blessing from God— In offering praise, his healing is complete because he is restored to complete relationship with Jesus. And if we focus a little more on the verbs in that section of the story, first, the Samaritan leper turns around. What's another word for turning around, Carissa? Repent. Uh Aha, exactly. So he repents, and then he sees what has happened. And of course, this is the Gospel of Luke, where seeing is so vitally important. Now, usually in Luke's Gospel, it's Jesus who is seeing. Jesus who is seeing the marginalized, the underclass. Jesus who sees Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Jesus, who sees the woman who is suffering. And these are always people on the margins. And in this case, Jesus sees 10 lepers. Talk about outcasts. They're lepers. Uh, that's, That's as outcast as it gets in the ancient world. And then all of a sudden, this leper who is healed completely returns to relationship and he sees as jesus sees yeah that is some powerful stuff
1: it it really is and this is one of those passages that we learn in sunday school as children those of us who were in sunday school as children and we almost know it too well that we miss all of that that depth and that nuance to right. it. When we read it as adults, we're like, oh, yeah, that's great. And then the one came back, and we should all be grateful, too, unlike the other nine. We miss mm-hmm. all of that, that subtlety. Um,
0: and also, we really have trouble understanding who the Samaritans were. They are um they are outcasts they are exiles of a sort themselves and
1: in know in a lot of ways you know, in, too right in a lot of ways right they're not quite they're not quite gentiles because they worship one god like the jewish people do but they're not jewish they're caught in this weird in between
0: Right. Uh, for starters, they worship in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, For them, the seat of proper worship is Mount Gerizim in the north. They are also people who are the survivors of um, ethnic cleansing. Uh, they, they are the people... The so, so you have, historically, you have the unified monarchy of King David in the kingdom of greater israel and then the kingdom splits into israel in the north and judah in the south samaria is the capital of the northern kingdom and the northern kingdom falls the people are dispersed and of course the it's the assyrians right
1: that sounds right to me without consulting my uh <laughs> my yes <atlas. laughs>
0: Our our atlas or any of our commentaries that have our, our big, heavy bound volumes of commentary that have all of the historical dates and details in them. And so, of course, the Assyrians would have settled some of their own people. There would have been intermarriage. All of those things render the Samaritans as not properly Jewish, which means that they're foreigners, which means that they are not welcome even though a lot of their, even though they worship the God of Israel, even though they have the same common ancestors going back to the Exodus, Mm -hmm. they like the other Israelites now.
1: Gosh, it's almost like at every turn in the Bible, we come across this idea of, national boundaries and foreigners and what to do with people of other ethnicities
0: is is there a common answer to this is is there does jesus like I don't know. Is Jesus consistent on this point?
1: I, I think he might be. I think, I think he might what, be. What does he say? <laughs> well. Did,
0: does he welcome
1: he, them? Yeah. Cause sometimes they're the only ones that actually come back and say thank you and show any amount of gratitude for what he's done.
0: Sometimes they're the only ones who see.
1: Yes. And. It's, yeah. 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 You know, this is a really difficult time to be preaching the Bible, because people are so hot <laughs> over the idea of who's in and who's out. Like, this right. has racism and national boundaries and patriotism and all of that wound up in one ball at every turn in the scripture. We they, There's nothing safe to read from the Bible.
0: Right. Al- although, you know, national origin, nationalism... We're talking nouns and adjectives there.
1: Ooh, and you want to get back to the verbs, don't you?
0: Right. Excellent idea. Back to the Jesus who says, come and follow me.
1: So maybe the point is not who is doing the doing, but the fact that it's being done.
0: The fact that it's being done. The fact that people who are immersed in the system can't see the system around them. The, The Jews who are who are restored to physical health just jump right back into the water like nothing had ever happened.
1: Yeah. And, and bringing us back to our, that second Timothy passage, we've, we've really been focusing on that, that Luke passage. Maybe we should have stuck with the Luke thread uh, this particular time. But if we look back at this Timothy passage, um, it is through the suffering and the per- perseverance through suffering that faith is exemplified that faith is forged and so you know we we get to this idea of why are the Samaritans the ones that seem to be getting the point in some of these uh narratives from Jesus life and some of the parables even that Jesus tells or when we look at Naaman who comes from Syria um to be healed in Israel um it's these folks that are suffering that are the ones that are best able to see Jesus. And we see this time and time again in 1st and 2nd Timothy, where the author says, it's through this suffering that I am best able to preach the gospel and through perseverance that this faith is, is forged. And that suffering is nothing compared to what we're offered then in the word of God and the, the gospel of freedom.
0: Yeah, and the the freedom really is in the following. the The freedom is in the response to God's faithfulness to us.
1: Yeah, if there is no, if there's no action, no change, no living associated with the faith, then it's not faith. Faith is a verb.
0: Mm-hmm. I thought you'd like that. I do like that. <laughs> <laughs> There, the problem is one of the English language that we don't have a participle for faithing.
1: Correct. We should make one. Um, You and I, we're going to start this movement where we talk about (sighs) faithing, it'll catch on.
0: It, it will although perhaps the the legal department <laughs> from luther seminary would come after oh, us because they... i heard that on sermon brainwave a couple years ago i have an
1: original idea for <laughs> once man Jeez. all right well then we won't start that <laughs> movement but we will help uh propagate that idea yes on behalf of uh the folks at sermon brainwave there's another shout out to
0: them Hmm. so what the what spiritual practice can you offer us for the coming week, Carissa?
1: Well, uh, we talked a bit about exile and suffering. And some of us aren't maybe overtly suffering, right? We don't have leprosy. We're not being hunted down by Roman soldiers who are out to get the Christians um dear christians in the united states of america you are not being persecuted um annoyed maybe but not persecuted um we'll talk about that as we get closer to the holidays perhaps when people are hot about the whole merry christmas happy holidays thing but um you you know we're not all suffering some sort of major suffering Um, But there are places where for most of us where we feel like we're in exile in some way. We're in a place or a situation we don't want to be in, but we can't really avoid, right? So this might be maybe the place where you live. Like for me, when I was, you know, because I had a child, I was legally bound to stay within a certain area, Um, And so I was in exile in a location. Maybe you're in exile because of where you're working. You're just stuck in a job that you cannot just, you cannot, (laughs) right? Um, You're exiled in your place of work. Um, Maybe it's um, the season of life that you or even your church is in, right? There's lots of churches that feel like they're in a season of exile, they're stuck in a place they don't want to be in and they don't know how to get out. There's a lot of churches in that kind of situation right now. Maybe the neighborhood is changing around you and it feels like a different place than it used to be. So whatever that place is that you are in exile, live into this uh, this uh, passage from Jeremiah that says, Look out for the prosperity and the wellness and the shalom of that place in which you're in exile. So even though you're exiled there, help to find and create the goodness.
0: Shall I take us out with a prayer?
1: Yes, please do. A prayer and a blessing would be great, friend.
0: God of grace and mercy, give us eyes to see. As Jesus sees. Help us to see the exiles around us. Help us to see the lost and the lonely. Help us to see those who are exiled by health, by marital status. Help us to see those who feel exiled for other reasons and then direct us to go and find them out and listen listen to their stories, listen to their sense of loss, and let us, by listening, shine your light of love in the midst of that darkness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. May God, the God who makes everything holy and whole, make you holy and whole, put you together, spirit, soul, and body, May God encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. Amen.
1: Amen. And friends, as we part ways today, uh, just a quick reminder that at any point, if you have questions or comments, you can email us at info at softidolatry.com. You can email us there if you've caught on to the fact that i missed the show notes from last week or missed putting something in um, let us know we'll get that out there and you can go to our website which is www.softidolatry.com to connect with us on facebook to support us on patreon or to find those elusive show notes thank you friends and have a blessed week